Okay, so we're going to continue on with our catechism questions discussing creation. Um, we'll start off like we've started off every other one by reviewing our two catechism questions for this 10-week session. And starting off with question 12, what is the work of creation? The work of creation is God's making all things of nothing by the word of his power in the space of six days and all very good. Okay? And then question 13, how did God create man? God created man, male and female, after his own image in knowledge, righteousness, and holiness with dominion over the creatures. Okay, so we're going to kind of take, just to remind you, we're going to take each one of these clauses or phrases and just give a, a week's worth of devotion to each one of them. We did a two-week intro. Last week we considered this phrase right here, all things of nothing, so God creating things ex nihilo. We covered that last week. So if you need to review, you're welcome to go back and do that. It's posted. Well, actually, I forgot to post it. It will be posted on the website uh, today. Uh, and then today we're going to consider by the word of his power. So what does it mean that God has created things by the word of his power? And like I said last week, we, we concluded, hopefully, all of you being convinced that everything was created by God ex nihilo or out of nothing. God did not use any sort of pre-existing material or anything else that might have existed beforehand because there's, there's a lot of issues with that, both logically and scripturally. The scriptures are pretty clear that God created everything out of nothing. And so this very naturally flows then into the next part of the catechism because the next part then answers the question, how did God create all things from nothing? So if we agree, and hopefully you do after last week, that God did indeed create all things out of nothing. Well, how? How did he create all things out of nothing? Well, Genesis 1 and the rest of Scripture gives us the answer of that, to that. The first verse of chapter 1, remember, gives the implication that God has made something from nothing. To read that verse, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. So in the beginning, when there was nothing, God created the heavens and the earth. So he's created something there. He's created something from nothing. And then verse 2, like we said last week, starts bringing in this idea that God is going to start to fashion things. Whatever he created back in verse 1, he's going to start fashioning this into something beautiful. So verse 2, the earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the water. So that first part of verse 2, the earth was without form and void. So God has created in verse 1, but now God, you know, it's, it's something. We don't know exactly what that something is, but he has created, and he's going to start fashioning it into something beautiful, which begins then in verse 3. And then the rest of the chapter goes through, and I pointed it out last week, but I'm going to point it out again because it really drives home the point of the clause that we're discussing today by the word of his power, that God then starts vocally booming things into existence, right? Starting there in verse 3, and God said... Let there be light, and there was light. And then in verse 6, and God said, Let there be an expanse. And in verse 9, and God said, Let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let dry land appear. And it was so. And God said, in verse 11, Let the earth sprout vegetation and plants, yielding seed and fruit trees, bearing fruit in which there is a seed, each according to its kind and on the earth. And it was so. 
And then verse 14, and God said, let there be lights in the expanse of heaven to separate the day from night. Skip on down. And it was so. And then verse 20, and God said, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth so that the expanse across the expanse of the heavens. So God created all these things and it was so. And then verse 24, it said, and God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds. And then verse 26, and then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And so you see it again here. And God said, 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 and God said. So eight times there that I counted. I could have even missed one. Eight times, and God said. So you see this God is calling these things out from nothing. He's calling them out by the word of his power. That's the way God creates from nothing, by the word of his power. And that's kind of the whole point of today's lesson. It's the whole point of this clause in the catechism. And so this brings us to a a few aspects. We're going to consider a few different things of what it means that God creates things by the word of his power. And the first thing that I wanted to consider today, then, is creation as a manifestation of God's power. So in other words, God displays his omnipotence through creation. You could see this just conceptually, obviously. You have to have really unlimited power to create things out of nothing especially by just the words of your voice. You really do have to have be omnipotent to create things by just speaking them into existence. Right? This just makes sense logically, but we're going to look at the scriptural proof for this too. So God, he does indeed create I'm sorry, he displays his omnipotence in other ways too, not just by creation. He displays his omnipotence in the works of providence. This is scripturally supported. He displays his omnipotence in the redemption of sinners because you have to have an all-powerful God to bring a dead man to life, right? So in the redemption of sinners, making dead people come to life, in physical resurrection, God displays his omnipotence also. So there's many ways that God displays his omnipotence, all supported by scripture. But for the purposes of our study today, really, We're going to look at this omnipotence of of El Shaddai, which is God Almighty, as it is manifested through creation. So a few scriptures. First of all, somebody go to Jeremiah 32. Somebody go to Luke 1 and somebody go to Romans 1. So first of all, if someone wants to go to Jeremiah 32... Jeremiah 32, if someone would read verse 17. I, Lord God, it is you who have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched power. Nothing is too hard for you. There you go. That's pretty straightforward, right? It is you who have made the heavens and the earth by your great power. So there you go. There's God's omnipotence right there in creation. By your great power, by the word of your power, we're not really bringing in the vocal aspects or the word aspects of this yet, but just displaying that God creates through his omnipotence here. So God created by his great power. All right. Next, Luke 1, verses 35 through 37, if someone's got that. Luke 1, 35 through 37. And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And therefore the child to be born will be called holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age, 
uh, has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month, sixth month of her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. Yeah, so careful clarification here, right? Jesus is not created. We just want to state that up front. Everyone knows that. Jesus is not created. But you see there in verse 37, nothing is impossible for God. So that points to his omnipotence right there. But also, uh, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So Jesus is not created, right? State that up front. But his assumption of a human body is really kind of put in terms here in Luke, reflecting the power of the Holy Spirit coming upon Mary. So in a sense, um, his human body is, is created in that sense, displaying God's omnipotence, right? Jesus is not created. The second person of the Trinity is not created. But the human body that Jesus assumes is put in terms of the power of the Holy Spirit coming upon Mary. So it's another display of God's power here in creation. And then lastly for this aspect, uh, Romans 1 verse 20 Someone's there. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made so that they are without excuse. Right. And so this is, obviously this is in Paul's discourse on how people have rejected God even though everyone knows deep down in their soul that God does exist. People want to deny that he exists. And Paul's argument here is that two of God's attributes here are clearly perceived just by observing creation. Okay? Just by observing creation, you can see that there is a divine nature and that God has eternal power by viewing creation. You can just look at creation and know that this omnipotent God has created all these things. So there are kind of three scriptural supports that, that show that God displays his omnipotence through creation. So that's one aspect here, specifically focusing on his power here in creation. So his power, his omnipotence is displayed through creation in other ways, but also through creation. (laughs) And then God's power in creation is working through the means of his word then. So the phrase God's word, this is the next, next aspect we're considering here, God's power in creation working through the means of his word. So the phrase God's word in scripture can take on many aspects. It can take on many, many kind of sub-definitions. It can be like direct revelation that's spoken to someone in scripture, like one of the prophets. God's word came to Jeremiah or God spoke to Ezekiel or God said to Isaiah. So God's word can, can speak directly to one of the prophets like that. that, that can, the phrase God's word can mean that. The phrase God's word can mean the whole of scripture itself, right? This is, this is God's word. The whole of scripture is God's word. It can also mean the divinely commissioned word that is preached in the name of God whenever a minister of the gospel gets up and preaches, right? If he gets up and preaches in the name of God, he is speaking God's word, which puts a lot of weight on it, right? Um, you can see the weight, of what an actual, the weight of what a sermon is if you're declaring that you're speaking God's word whenever you're speaking from the pulpit. So those are three ways that that the phrase God's word can really mean a couple of distinct things. Um, But also it can mean what we're about to look at right now. It can mean that referring to the words of power that are spoken directly from the mouth of Yahweh. So God's word can mean that words of power that are spoken directly from the mouth of Yahweh. So the first display of this is something that we've already read is um, and all the and God says, those eight and God says in Genesis 1, 
So that's a display of God's power, the word of God's power there, God's word booming things into existence. And then other displays in Scripture of this are, uh, we're going to go a couple places here. So if someone wants to go Psalm 148, Psalm 33, someone to Romans 4, and then someone to Isaiah 48. So um, Psalm 148, Psalm 33, Romans 4, and Isaiah 48. So if someone is at Psalm 148, you'll read verse 5. Anybody? Nobody? Nobody goes for the first one, usually. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created. Thank you, Daniel. There you go. You get it right there. The word, the word of power being spoken directly from God. So God's word, creation working through the means of his word. God, for he commanded and they were created, right? In the previous verses, it's talking about the heavenly host, the sun and the moon and the stars and the highest heavens and waters above the heavens. God commanded and they're created. So by the word of his power. Uh, Psalm 33, verses 6 through 9. Anybody? By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth all their hosts. He gathers the waters of the sea as a heap, he puts the deeps in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord, let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him, for he spoke and it came to be, he commanded and it stood firm. There you go. All of that supported. Specifically, the beginning of verse 6, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made by the breath of their mouth and by the breath of his mouth, all their hosts. So both of these things coming out of the mouth of God, the heavens were made and all the hosts of heaven. And then also down in verse 9, he spoke. That's very direct. He spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. So God creating things by the word of his power, his actual word being spoken. Okay. Then Romans 4, verse 17. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him who he believed. God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. There we go. And so we use this verse specifically to, to support our ex nihilo argument last week about God calling things forth that do not exist. But specifically this week, we're going to focus on the calls part. So God calls things into existence by his word. He's bringing these things forth by the word of his power from nothing. Okay, So it's by the word. And then Isaiah 48. Let me get there. Isaiah 48, verses 12 and 13. And so you see God anthropomorphically describing his hand laying down the foundations of the earth and his hand spreading out the heavens. But he also says, when I call to them, they stand forth together. So he's creating and he is upholding by the word of his power. Right. They stand firm because he calls to them and they are 
holding together by the word of his power. So he creates from nothing by the word of his power. So I hope you're convinced now. It seems very supported by scripture that God both creates from nothing and he creates by the word of his power. <laughs> and then one, one final aspect to consider here. So I mentioned, mentioned just a few minutes ago about different things that can be classified as God's word. And these are the things that I said. I said you could have the direct revelation in the narratives in Scripture when God is, is speaking to prophets or God is speaking to someone directly. That's God's Word. You have the whole of Scripture itself. This is God's Word. You've got the divinely commissioned Word preached in the name of God. The preacher gets up there and proclaims God's Word from the pulpit. And then we've got God's Word being um, manifested through him creating things through his word but also you might have noticed that i omitted a very important thing that's often classified as god's word or the word of god or maybe not a thing maybe a person described in scripture as god's word y'all got any guesses um, there you go sunday school answer right for our for any kid jesus that's the answer the sunday school answer so jesus as the word of god's power um jesus plays a very important role in creation as the word of God's power. So we're going to do scripture again. Uh, John 1. John 1. You knew, you knew this was coming. So John 1 then. I'm going to steal this one from y'all because this is just too good to let one of y'all read. I'm going to read it. John 1, verses 1 through 3. In the beginning was the word. All right. There we go. We could stop there if we wanted to, but we're going to keep going. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. It's pretty clear. Pretty clear. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. So Jesus is there. Jesus is there in the beginning. Jesus is there. He is God. Jesus is there with God as a person of the Trinity. And in the beginning, he is the one that creates that things are created through him, and everything that is created was created through him. Nothing that was made was made absent from him or without him. And so... That's pretty, pretty clear, I think. But we've got other scriptural support too. So also Hebrews 1. Okay? Hebrews 1. I'll let somebody read that if you want to. Hebrews 1, verses 1 through 3a. You can stop after the period in, in 3. There's a lot going on in these verses. Um, <laughs> so you get uh, a lot of God speaking, first of all, right? And then the implications here is that this is talking about God the Father in this sense. But God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. So that's another aspect of God's word. God speaking to the prophets directly. Um, 
But in the last days, he has spoken to us by his son. So God speaks to us through Jesus Christ, also by the conclusion of his word. This is the way God speaks to us now in these last days. And then it moves on to Jesus, whom he appointed the heir of all things. So all of this belongs to Jesus. Okay, that's the first aspect of it. Everything you see that's created belongs to him. That'll transform your thinking about what you own. And through whom he also created the world. Okay, it's also pretty clear. Echoes the same thing that John said in those first few verses. Through whom he created the world. Everything that is made was made by the word. Jesus, he is the radiance of the glory of God. The exact imprint of his nature. I covered that in the sermon when we were in Exodus. But more importantly for for our purposes here, he upholds the universe by the word of his power. So the word of his power, God the Father booming things into existence by the word of his power. All those other scriptural references that we use to support God creating everything by the word of his power. Also, the Son comes into this and upholds the world by the word of his power. See how beautifully Trinitarian all this creation is too. It's great. Okay, so there's Jesus again, both creating the world, or through the, through the world, him being created, through him, the world being created, and also upholding it by the word of his power. And then lastly, in Colossians 1. So we did John 1, we did Hebrews 1, and now we're going to Colossians 1. So Colossians 1, if someone will read 15 through 17 there. Okay, so there we go again. All about Jesus once more. Now, I'm not a proponent of the, this is a side note, I'm not a proponent of the, the, the theory that Paul wrote Hebrews, but, but these three verses sound a lot like the first three verses of Hebrews, so just a side note. Um, but anyway, Jesus is the image of the invisible God, or the exact imprint of his nature, again, right? So he's the firstborn of all creation. For him... All things were created. So, like echoes the same thing that was was in Hebrews, right? For him, all the things were created. He is the heir of all things that were created. Whether in heaven and on earth, invisible, visible, thrones, dominions, rulers, or authorities. So not just the things that we can see here. Also, all the heavenly hosts were created for him. Okay? The angels, the angelic beings also. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So once again, by the word of his power, Jesus, everything is held together in this world. And so um, you can think about this as you think about this during Christmas time, whenever we celebrate the, the incarnation of Christ. Everything that he created and is the heir of, he came to dwell amongst. Okay? That can be in the back of your mind whenever you're, you're thinking about Christmas. It's all pointing back to Jesus. Um, he is also the one whom, through whom creation was created. And then uh, I was going to close by reading a psalm in just a minute, but before that, uh, there's a, a lengthy passage here that I was, I was re- reading, and I was going to try to distill it down, but it's just really good, so I'm just going to read it straight from uh, Bavink and his Reformed Dogmatics. This is, this is what he says here. He says, The triune God, 
Not any intermediary is the author of creation. Scripture is clear. God created all things through the Son and through the Spirit. The outgoing works of God are indivisible. Though it's appropriate to distinguish an economy of task in the Godhead, the initiative for creation proceeds from the Father. The Son is not an instrument, but the personal wisdom, the logos by whom everything is created. Everything rests and coheres in him and is created for him as the head and master of all creatures. The Holy Spirit is the personal imminent cause by which all things live and move and have their being and are led in their destination. And this world is a unity because God is a unity. Scripture does not relate, does relate the creation in a special way to the Son through the categories of wisdom and logos. The Old Testament repeatedly states that God created all things by his word, that he established the earth by wisdom, and by his understanding he spread out the heavens. This teaching is further elaborated in the New Testament where we read that God created all things by the Son, and then Christ is called the firstborn of all creation, the origin of God's creation, the Alpha and the Omega for whom all things have been created. Christ thus is the mediator not only of recreation, but also creation itself, the Logos by whom the Father creates all things. So then the creation proceeds from the Father through the Son and in the Spirit so that in the Spirit and through the Son it may return to the Father. So it's kind of the purpose of all this, all to glorify God. All of creation, all of recreation, it's for, it's in, Jesus is the heir to all these things and it's all to return to the Father to give glory to him. And so I would like to close again by reading a psalm. I think I'm going to do this each time to read a specific creation psalm, a psalm that sings about creation. So in closing, then we'll go to questions in just a minute. In closing, I wanted to then read Psalm 33. So Psalm 33. Shout for joy in the Lord, O you righteous. Praise befits the upright. Give thanks to the Lord with the lyre. Make melody to him with the harp of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully on the strings with loud shouts. For the word of the Lord is upright, and all his work is done in faithfulness. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the steadfast love of the Lord. By the word of the Lord the heavens were made. By the breath of his mouth all their hosts. He gathers the waters of the sea as a heap. He puts the deep in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke, and it came to be. He commanded, and it stood firm. The Lord brings the counsel of nations to nothing. He frustrates the plans of the peoples. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his his heart to all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people to whom he has chosen as his his heritage. The Lord looks down from heaven. He sees all the children of man. From where he sits enthroned, he looks out on all the inhabitants of the earth. He who fashions the heart of them all and observes all their deeds. The king is not saved by his great army. A warrior is not delivered by his great strength. The war horse is a false hope for salvation, and by its great might it cannot rescue. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his steadfast love that he may deliver their soul from death and keep them alive in famine. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. Our heart is glad in him because we trust in his holy name. Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us even as we hope in you.